Chapter Twenty Eight of *The Borough Treasurer* by J. S. Fletcher. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Marianne. Chapter Twenty Eight, Pages from the Past. Before the solicitor and his companions could seat themselves at the table, whereat the former's preliminary explanation had been made, Mister Raithwaite got up and motioned Avis to follow his example. Carfax, he said, "There's no need for me to listen to all that you've got to tell Mister Brereton." I know it already, and I don't think it will particularly interest Miss Harborough at the moment. She'll hear plenty about it later on. She and I will leave you, make your explanations and your arrangements, and we'll join you later on. He led the way to the door, beckoning Avis to accompany him, but Avis paused and turned to Brereton. You feel sure that it's all right now about my father, she said. You feel certain? If you do, yes. Absolutely," answered Brereton, who knew what her question meant, and we'll let him know. He knows," exclaimed Carfax. "That is, he knows that Mister Raithwaite is here and that everything's all right. Run away, my dear young lady, and be quite happy. Mister Raithwaite will tell you everything you want to know. And now, my dear sir," he continued, as he shut the door on Raithwaite and Avis and bustled back to the table. There are things that you want to know, and that you are going to know, from me and from these two gentlemen, Mr. Staub and Mr. Lakin, both ex-Scotland Yard men, and now in business for themselves as private inquiry agents, smart fellows, though I say it to their faces. I gather from that that you have been doing some private inquiry work, then," said Brereton, in connection with what now. Let us proceed in order," answered Carfax. Taking a seat at the head of the table and putting his fingers together in a judicial attitude, I will open the case. When Raithwaite, a fine fellow who, between ourselves, is going to do great things for Harborough and his daughter, when Raithwaite, I say, heard of what had happened down here, he was naturally much upset. His first instinct was to rush to Highmarket at once and tell everything. However, instead of doing that, he very wisely came to see me. Having heard all that he had to tell, I advised him, as it was absolutely certain that no harm could come to Harborough in the end, to let matters rest for the time being, until we had put the finishing touches to his own affair. He, however, insisted on sending you that money, which was done. Nothing else would satisfy him. But now arose a deeply interesting phase of the whole affair, which has been up to now kept secret between Raithwaite, myself, and Messrs. Staub and Lakin there. To it, I now invite your attention. Mister Carfax here pulled out a memorandum book from his pocket, and, having fitted on his spectacles, glanced at a page or two within it. Now he presently continued, Raithwaite, being naturally deeply interested in the Kitely case, he procured the local newspapers, Norcaster and Highmarket papers, you know, so that he could read all about it. There was in those papers a full report of the first proceedings before the magistrates. And Raithwaite was pretty much struck by your examination of the woman, Miss Pet. In fact, he was so much struck by your questions and her replies that he brought the papers to me, and we read them together. And, although we know well enough that we should eventually have no difficulty whatever in proving an alibi in Harborough's behalf, we decided that in his interest we would make a few guarded but strict inquiries into Miss Pet's antecedents. Brereton started. Miss Pet, ah, 
he had had ideas respecting miss pet at the beginning of things but other matters had cropped up and affairs had moved and developed so rapidly that he had almost forgotten her that makes you think continued carfax with a smile just so and what took place at that magistrate's sitting made raithwaite and myself think and as i say we employed staub and lakin men of great experience to just find out a little about miss pet of course miss pet herself had given us something to go on she had told you some particulars of her career she had been a housekeeper to a major stillman at kandahar cottage walking she had occupied posts at two london hotels so staub went to walking and lakin devoted himself to the london part of the business and i think staub concluded the solicitor turning to one of the inquiry agents i think you'd better tell mr brereton what you found out at walking and then lakin can tell us what he brought to light elsewhere staub a big cheery-faced man who looked like a highly respectable publican turned to brereton with a smile it was a very easy job sir he said i found out all about the lady and her connection with walking in a very few hours there are plenty of folk at walking who remember miss pet she gave you the mere facts of her residence there correctly enough but naturally she didn't tell you more than the mere facts the surface as it were now i got at everything miss pet was a housekeeper at walking to a major stillman a retired officer of an infantry regiment at the time she was with him some considerable period he was more or less of an invalid and he was well known to suffer terribly from some form of neuralgia he got drugs to alleviate the pain of that neuralgia from every chemist in the place one time or another and one day major stillman was found dead in bed with some of these drugs by his bedside of course an inquest was held and equally of course the evidence of doctors and chemists being what it was a verdict of death from misadventure overdose of the stuff you know was returned against miss pet there appears to have been no suspicion in walking at that time and for the matter of that concluded staub dryly i don't know that there is now you have some yourself suggested brereton i went into things further answered mr staub with the ghost of a wink i found out how things were left by stillman stillman had nothing but his pension and a capital sum of about two thousand pounds he left that two thousand pounds and the furniture of his house to miss pet the will had been executed about a twelvemonth before stillman died it was proved as quickly as could be after his death and of course miss pet got her legacy she sold the furniture and left the neighbourhood what is your theory asked brereton mr staub nodded across the table at carfax not my business to say what my theories are mr brereton he answered all i had to do was to find out facts and report them to mr carfax and mr raithwaite all the same said brereton quietly you think it quite possible that miss pet knowing that stillman took those strong doses and having a pecuniary motive gave him a still stronger one come now staub smiled rubbed his chin and looked at carfax and carfax pointed to staub's partner a very quiet observant man who had listened with a sly expression on his face your turn lakin he said tell the result of your inquiries lakin was one of those men who possess soft voices and slow speech invited to play his part 
he looked at Brereton as if he were half apologizing for anything he had to say. Well, he said, of course, sir, what Miss Pett told you about her posts at two London hotels was quite right. She had been storekeeper at one, and linen-keeper at another, before she went to Major Stillman. There was nothing against her at either of those places. But of course I wanted to know more about her than that. Now she said in answer to you that before she went to the first of these hotels, she had lived at home with her father, a Sussex farmer. So she said, but it was a long time before. She had spent ten years in India, between leaving home and going to the Royal Belvedere. She went out to India as a nurse in an officer's family, and while she was in India she was charged with strangling a fellow-servant, a Eurasian girl who had excited her jealousy. Brereton started at that, and he turned a sharp glance on Carfax, who nodded emphatically and signed to Leighton to proceed. "'I have the report of that affair in my pocket,' continued Leighton, more softly and slowly than ever. "'It's worth reading, Mr. Brereton, and perhaps you'll amuse yourself with it some time. But I can give you the gist of it in a few words. Pat was evidently in love with her master's orderly. He wasn't in love with her. She became madly jealous of this Eurasian girl, who was under-nurse. The Eurasian girl was found near the house one night with a cord, tightly twisted round her neck, dead, of course. There were no other signs of violence, but some gold ornaments which the girl wore had disappeared. Pet was tried, and she was discharged, for she set up an alibi, of a sort that wouldn't have satisfied me, remarked Lakin in an aside. But there was a queer bit of evidence given which you may think of use now. One of the witnesses said that Pet had been much interested in reading some book about the methods of the thugs, and had talked in the servants' quarters of how they strangled their victims with shawls of the finest silk. Now this Eurasian girl had been strangled with a silk handkerchief, and if that handkerchief could only have been traced to Pet, she'd have been found guilty. But, as I said, she was found not guilty, and she left her place at once, and evidently returned to England. That's all, sir. Staub has a matter that might be mentioned, said Carfax, glancing at the other inquiry agent. Well, it's not much, Mr. Brereton, said Staub. It's merely that we've ascertained that Kitely had left all that he had to this woman, and that— I know that, interrupted Brereton. She's made no concealment of it, or rather, her nephew, acting for her, didn't. Just so, remarked Staub dryly, but did you know that the nephew had already proved the will and sold the property? No. Well, he has. Not much time lost, you see, after the old man's death, sir. In fact, it's been done about as quickly as it well could be done, and of course Miss Pet will have received her legacy, which means that by this time she'll have got all that Kitely had to leave. Brereton turned to the solicitor, who during the recital of facts by the two inquiry agents had maintained his judicial attitude as if he were on the bench and listening to the opening statements of counsel. "'Are you suggesting, all of you, that you think Miss Pett murdered Kitely?' he asked. "'I should like a direct answer to that question.' "'My dear sir,' exclaimed Carfax, "'what does it look like? You've heard the woman's record. 
the probability is that she did murder that eurasian girl that she took advantage of stillman's use of drugs to finish him off she's certainly benefited by stillman's death and she's without doubt benefited by keitley's i repeat what does it look like what do you propose to do asked Brereton. the inquiry agents glanced at each other and then at carfax and carfax slowly took off his spectacles with a flourish and looked more judicial than ever as he answered the young barrister's question i will tell you what i propose to do he replied i propose to take these two men over to highmarket this evening and let them tell the highmarket police all that they have just told you End of chapter 28